focused, conscious of what you're doing. That's, that's when you build that into your subconscious. All right, welcome to the very first episode of the Nashville Drummers Podcast. Today I sit down with Nathan Sletner. Nate is also a co-host of the series, so we'll be hearing from Nate a whole lot more as we start interviewing other guests. Nate is one of the very first guys that I met in town. He is, without a doubt, one of the most talented drummers out there, but more importantly, is such a good dude and has a ton of knowledge and insights to share with you all. In this episode, you'll learn a bit about Nathan's background, as well as his unique approach on the instrument. We cover everything from networking in a new city, to what it's like playing on Broadway, to touring, and even hot dogs, yes. (laughs) Enjoy this very honest, raw, and first episode of the Nashville Drummers Podcast. So you're from California. Yep. And from a small town called Redding. Yep. Way up north. So what brought you to Nashville? Um, Music. You know, uh, everyone was in a band that was going to make it, bro. Oh, man, I was in a band. We're totally going to make it. I mean, like, I, I really was. Um, we had we had everything lined up. We had all the all the musical pieces, all the financial pieces, all the connection networking pieces. They were all set and ready to go. What was the band? Uh, the band was called Showlander. Okay. Uh, and some some personal decisions made by some of the people involved basically just stemmed the flow of all of that just cut a, cut us right off from our financial backing and we were back to square one and so basically the chief songwriter and I decided we were going to both move to Nashville anyway because the plan was to do the band move out to Nashville do the whole th- whole thing as the the band we had yeah all of that lined up and then we're like yep yeah, let's just do it anyway so he moved out here with his family and then my wife and I moved out Mm, two to two and a half months after him they were just like yeah it's great out here you should move we're like okay we believe you so that's what we did came outside unseen and how many years ago was that five years holy moly yeah five five in november but you know it's five yeah so you were one of the first people that i met in nashville so this is actually being recorded at Diamond Sound Studios. You know, I first met you. <laughs> what was that? I was like celebrating. Oh, Diamond Sound. like a, a dying trumpet. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so when I first met you, you were telling me a little bit more about your gig, drum teching for Virgil Donati. Tell us more about that. How did you end up in that position? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so there is a guy here in town named Josiah who I somehow became friends with on Facebook, and I I noticed we had a lot of stuff in common, and one of the things we had in common was uh, an enjoyment of of prog music, and I I met him at a show, and I was like, wait, this is that Josiah guy who I'm somehow magically friends with on Facebook, no idea how. We started talking, and we just were talking about progressive music and whatever, we decided, I was saying we we should get together sometime, and 
kind of going back and forth about hanging out at some point, maybe doing something musical. And then he sent me a message out, kind of out of nowhere. He's like, hey, what are you, what are you up to, man? Can, can we grab a beer? Sure. So I, I felt like I felt something in the air when he said that. So we went and had a, had a beer. Well, we met at Red Door, uh, I guess Red Door East. And I literally walked in and sat down. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. What are you doing in September? Nothing. <laughs> cool. Want a tech for Donati? <laughs> like, just, and you knew who that was like, at that point. Yeah, right, yeah. It was my, one, like one of my top five for the last ten years. Yeah. Um, I just like he just said it that flatly. <laughs> like, I just paused and I go. Hell yeah. <laughs> he's like, cool, I'll text him right now. He, he's like, ah, you know, I probably won't hear back from him again for a minute. Oh, no, here he is. So he's like, yep, sounds good. Like, So that was like decided pretty well instantaneously. We all have these certain moments where once you're in it, you're just like, okay, you're, you have to, you're going with it. Yeah. And there's not much to really think about. Right, just... Just get on the bus and go. So, had you been a drum tech before? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, Absolutely wow. not. <laughs> Which is hilarious because you just knew you were a drummer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Josiah, when he, I'm not. <laughs> oh, bless you, Josiah, for getting me that gig. Because holy moly, um, but he literally said in the message, he's like he he introduced us to each other and said. Uh, Virgil is one of the like, you know, premier virtuoso progressive musicians in the in the world universe. Whatever he's doing his thing, and he's like Nathan is one of one of the uh, the, for, the forefront of of uh, drumming and teching drum teching in Nashville. And I was like, I've I've never done that. I really you really shouldn't be selling that because <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Oh, I'm like yeah. I can set up a drum set, but his drum set's not just any drum set. You sure. Yeah. So I. Basically, his his kit was shipped here, and uh, a couple days before tour, me and the guy who was the tour manager slash audio engineer for that tour got together and kind of pieced together how to set up his his rack system and his kit, and we did it wrong. We t- did it totally wrong because it was the way it was set up was very confusing. But thank God. On the spot, he was able to go, no, it's like this, and we showed us how it all went, and then I just took pictures and went from there. What kind of guy is he? It sounds like you've got to know him maybe more on a personal level. Yeah, right? dude. Uh, Virgil is, you know how they tell you not to meet your heroes? Like, it's really not a good idea. Largely, that is very true. In this case, it's not. Virgil is a fantastic guy. I really loved hanging out with him. He's really honest. And straightforward about everything. He'll let you know if if you're doing something he doesn't like, but he's not a dick. He's just like this is this is just this is what I want. Like do it like this. He was that way with me as a tech. He's like, hey, he's like, you know, you're setting it up every night, and I I need I'm needing to adjust it on my kick, my pedals. They need to be like this. So I'm like, okay, cool. It just he just lets you know. Sounds like he's a really detailed guy, really particular. Oh, and he and I will say he is extremely particular. He's like he knew exactly what he wanted, and he's that way 
not only in his drumming, but he's in that way in every aspect of his life. He takes care of his nutrition like nobody you've ever seen. This guy, he has, you know, he's getting up in the morning and going on runs, and he's like, I'm coming downstairs, and I'm he's getting in back back to the hotel, and like, oh, he was out there doing. He's like, you know, I found a nice trail, and I was run, out there on the run. I'm like, oh, this is cool, right on. You're just waking up. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> holy, how do you have the energy? Um, wow, and he, yeah, he's. I mean, he's getting up there in age, right? Yeah, he's, he's six. I think he's sixty-two now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he at, at the time what was he was he sixty-one? Maybe maybe even he may be older than that. I don't know. I'm losing track of time myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, the things I learned from him were one to take care of your body. Obviously, he's and watching him like he would he would finish the show and he would like he would relax and he had like all these different essential oils he would put on and like he would stretch out and do very good about hydrating taking care of his nutrition he would have um, he would have his morning coffee and then as he finished his morning coffee he would put a scoop of raw cacao powder and then do like a cacao shot Mm -hmm. at the end like world's strongest natural antioxidant cacao every single day Um, and he had all his supplements with him all the time, yeah. his giant bag full of them. Um, but yeah, I learned that, and I I was asking him about <clears throat> his ability to phrase in odd subdivisions. I'm like, you you do these phrases that are mind warping, and that but you never ever lose the one. You're always you always come back and just smack the one, just like. Grand slam it out of the park. His one is un—it's ungodly. It's yeah. ridiculous. Um, and he was just like, "Yeah, just count." It's all his. Yeah, he's like, "You just count, but you just—you need to count. You need to practice counting everything." And it was the very like. You probably—I mean, you probably heard Chris Coleman talk about it. It's like, but you—you you need to practice these phrases that go over the bar in polyrhythmic timings and you need to figure out where the phrase needs to start in order for it to end at a certain point. Like, okay, if it sounds like this here, then it's going to be, that's your three times through the rotation of this. I'm like, so you need to know that for every possible permutation of that thing. So he's just done uh, a hellish amount of counting out those things. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a big, big thing for him. Yeah. And were you also gigging here in Nashville? At that time, I, I had nothing going on gig-wise. Nothing. It was dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was kind of, it was freaking me out. And that's one of the reasons I had been reaching out to Josiah. I'm like, hey, man, like, I don't know. Like, I'm just wanting to do something because I don't know what I'm doing. And again, that's part of the whole, my whole thing growing up in a small town, growing up in Reading. The idea of music networking is just like such an alien concept. I can't even begin to describe to you how strange it is for me to move to a place and have somebody go, no, if you just like go to a bar and and just hang out, you can get gigs. I'm like, for me, coming from a small town, the idea of going out to network is just utterly absurd. There's no purpose in, in going out on the town, going to the bar to network with people that you've known your entire life. You know, that's 
I know, I know the people in my hometown. I don't need to go out and act like they know who I am. I know who they are. Yep. Um, but that's not the case here. So it, it took me actual years to understand that and then further years to start to become comfortable with that. Like, let me ask you, like, how comfortable is that shirt? Because it looks pretty, comfortable. It's pretty comfortable. Yeah, looks great. Yeah. It's a good fit on you, man. Yeah, it's a good Appreciate fit. It. Yeah. I've been trying to wear clothes that fit me Nice. Better. Yeah, you got good style. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, growing up, I didn't wear, like, skinny jeans, but sometimes a small just wasn't quite the, the right fit, you know? Yeah. Well, it's it's amazing how much difference there is when you just find clothes that fit you well if nothing else like if no accounting for any other kind of style ideas like keeping up with trends or whatever it doesn't like if they just fit well they look good on your frame it's it's huge how much that's like a confidence booster plus people take you more seriously right but yeah i recently i actually the bass player phil uh who plays with with thomas gabriel with me yep he's he's got a great sense of style so i was like hey bud would you can i borrow you for something like, what's up man like can i like pay you to go to the mall or somewhere with me and just show me what clothes i need to wear he was like dude i would love that so <laughs> we went to the mall. he and in that moment he starts brainstorming stuff he's like dude you'd be he goes <laughs> hear me out you ever thought about all track suits? I'm like, <laughs> you want me to look like a Russian? <laughs> um, but we we ended up we ended up going, and I did indeed buy a track suit. But yeah, part like you commented on these shoes when I walked in. You're like, they look fresh. Thank yeah. thank you. And they're they were purchased because of Phil. Yeah. I purchased them myself. I went and picked them out. But he he pointed me in the right direction. Yeah. So you mentioned you're touring with Thomas Gabriel. That's sort of a recent thing for you? Yeah. Was that somebody you've been kind of had your eye on, or did that sort of evolve from those connections and the networking here in Nashville? That that actually came from Phil. Um, so he's, he's, a, he's a friend, and we went to the same church, Church of the City. Um, we met there. We just became buddies, and basically we worked at the same job, worked at Daddy's Dogs for years. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we just plug for daddy's dogs. Daddy's dogs. (laughs) Yeah. Little known fact, people. If you say daddy's dogs while you're walking by a daddy's dog stand. Just like that. Yes. If you say that, I know that you will never buy a hot dog. And so I will not even look at you. (laughs) No, I don't work there anymore. But that's, that was my attitude when when I did work there. You heard it from an ex-employee. Yep. Not like, no. I know that you're never going to. I've never has someone yelled "Daddy's dogs" and then purchased a hot dog. I mean, I think that applies for anything, really. Like, yeah, you don't go into a restaurant and yell what you're about to order, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, McDonald's. <laughs> okay, so how how was that gig with Thomas? And you've been touring. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where we got there. Yeah, yeah. So touring's back. Yeah, it is back, and it's back with vengeance. It's yes. awesome. Yeah, um, I would call it Americana rock. Uh, it's got like a hard edge to it. He's really into the newer rock stuff. Like he's into heavy stuff like Tool and, and thing, things like that. But, you know, at the same time, he's got that Americana thing from his, his grandpa. Johnny Cash, that's his grandpa. 
Um, so we, we do a few Johnny songs during during the night, which is always fun. But it's also, it's like, it's so different doing, we do a, like a funk version of Folsom Prison, which is sweet. It's like uh, if the meters did Folsom. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll also do just a couple of kind of straight up covers. We do a straight up cover of um, Ring of Fire sometimes. And that's, it's always funny to me because it just feels like it sticks out like a sore thumb. Right. Yeah, totally. So for the new drummer that's, you know, moving to town and trying to either make it on Broadway or eventually go out and tour, I'm curious your thoughts on how networking has really led to these opportunities for you. Because really, you're starting to become a name. Well, I man, I don't even know that I am a name. I don't think that I am. I would argue you are a name. Okay. Yeah, I mean, especially around town in Nashville and now with social media and, of course, the videos from Meinl. Yeah. Which we'll get into, but yeah. Uh, right on. I, this, it's <laughs> funny. I, it's like, uh, I feel like... I didn't, know you, I didn't know you before I met you here. I didn't know your name. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know my name now. I'm the Batman. Uh, <laughs> oh, it all makes sense now. Okay. I never see you past 11 o'clock. Yeah, true. Well, that's because I just, I roll into a ball and, uh, and turn, turn into stone for, for eight hours. And then I'm, then I'm back in the mornings. Um, yeah. How networking led to these things. Okay. So. I mean the Broadway thing is pretty pretty straightforward. I I have thank God uh, a friend, one of my closest friends in the whole world, a guy named Seth Carlson, who I personally think is the most fantastic musician I've ever met, bar none. Um, he is in one of the biggest bands down there, so he has brought me into sub for them and that's been that's a great networking opportunity but then I'll just I would also make trips down to just go watch bands and you know you can go and talk to them after hey you guys sounded great uh, let me know if you ever need a sub actually I did that all the time with daddy stocks when people would come through um, we I would see them holding a guitar or a bass or, or drums or whatever and I'd be like, hey, did you just play a shift? Where'd you play? Oh, played down at Whiskey Row. Right on. Do you do you ever need a drum sub for your group? Like, oh, you play? I'm like, yeah. And then I would just send them to my Instagram. They could check me out, and they'd either follow me or not, whatever. Um, but that was that was kind of how I did it. I think because there's a lot of advice that you'll get to go out and do that thing, and I, that is that can be important. But I think it's even more important to figure out how to network where you are naturally. That's, you know, if there's a coffee shop you love to go to, like, that's your haunt. So you should you should be one of the guys there. And mm-hmm. Everybody knows you. You want to go or, you know, want it to be like a cheers kind of situation. Everybody knows your name there. So when some somebody new comes and hangs, they're like, oh, hey, I'm blah, blah, blah. What, what do you do? Right. Yeah, that's such a simple approach in theory. But... I feel like human nature, we're sort of lazy, you know, like we, we want to do the minimum effort, but yet get the greatest result. Right. But to get those results, you do have to show up. You do have to talk to people, whether you're trying to play Broadway every night or go out on tour, you do have to be present and hopefully you can play. Right. So like you talked about, you're able to send people to your social media. So you have some social proof. 
However, many people don't want to put in that effort or they just haven't defined their goals, you know, like they try to do everything all at once and then become a master of none, really. Right. You know, like if you're new to Nashville or really any city for that matter, it's okay to try a bunch of different things out and see what sticks, see what you're really passionate about. But for you especially, it seems like a lot of the networking that you did early on really led to a ton of opportunities for you. Now yeah, you're and- absolutely. Well, you know, and I played with this artist named Dustin Kynes, and that came out of doing Broadway. I I got recommended by Seth to Dustin because he needed a drummer for some Broadway gigs. He's like, hey, man, I, Seth hit me up, told me that that you're the guy I should go to because I need I need somebody. So I came and did it, and that that was the thing. I I came in, I told him like, hey, I'm not, I'm new to this whole thing because I was just really fresh at that time. And we got done, and he like, frankly, he was like, hey, bro, you're badass. Are you interested in doing any original stuff? And so now now I play with him on the road. So I'm go I go back and forth and play with Thomas, and then I'll I'll get back and do a run with Dustin and. Mm-hmm. Thank God those haven't interfered with each other too much at this point. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And you're drumming more or less full-time. Right? Yes. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I can't even begin to say how much of a blessing that is sure. at this point. Because I was just like beating my head against the wall at my job for for years. Hot dog's a rough business, man. <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily think about it, right? It's just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way it works is we'd go and set out a cart. I I would most of the time run the carts Fridays and Saturdays on Broadway. And people would ask, well, how long are you here? I'm like, I'm here until everyone leaves. (laughs) Right. Oh, I'm like, yeah, I'll be the last person on the street, except for the idiots who are going to come up to me after, after I've been shut down for 20 minutes plus and ask me, hey, bro, you got any hot dogs left? No, I don't, because I'm clear. I'm clearly shut down. Right. Come on, man. You've got a couple left. <laughs> Die in hell. <laughs> that, that's yeah. That yeah. escalates at that point. There's right. no in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically where I go. Instant, instant hate. Oh man. Well, yeah. I'm. I'm super glad. Uh, you know, you're out of that. Because I, I met you. I mean, I moved here during the pandemic, and that's. Of course, a crazy year for everybody, especially musicians and Broadway. Yeah. And then it was just like basically the Tootsie circuit that opened back up because they were like, yeah, screw you. We're doing this thing. (laughs) So what was last year like for you? How did you push through and really stay focused? 2020 was just all all hot dogs all the time. (laughs) That, That was it. Like that, I just worked that job and in all my free time I was still just practicing you know banging away trying to trying to level up so that when things opened back up I I hadn't stagnated in my skills so thankfully I I think that paid off yeah so I mentioned earlier like if someone were to google your name and they'd probably now find the Minel videos. And so talk about that. So you're a recent Minel artist. Of course, those guys are also here in Nashville. But how did that come to be? And did you seek them out? Were you looking at other companies? Had you already been playing Minel? So what happened was I was in my room here 
having a jam session with my buddy Tony Campanovo, who's a sick guitarist here in town. Uh, and I got a text from my friend Forrest Rice. And he, he was like, hey, man, I just got done doing a podcast with Meinl. And Chris Brewer would like to talk to you. Would you be interested in playing Meinl? And I, I'm like, what? That's like the dream question that any drummer could, yeah, could like, have, right? Yeah, I freaking love Meinl. They're <laughs> awesome. Uh, so you know they were always they're always at the 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 forefront of my mind, and so we had a phone call and he he just told me what had happened and yeah he was like hey dude so can I give Chris your number I'm like yeah please do so I gave him that he's like he'll probably call you tomorrow I'm like okay now I'm. I try to be realistic, not optimistic, because I have a natural tendency towards optimism. But because of that, I've been just like pummeled emotionally by being by getting disappointed by things. So I was just like, let's just I'm not going to assume he's going to call me. I'm not going to get try to get my hopes up. But I am. I'm like, I am hoping that he calls. Sure. Forrest texted me actually in the middle of the day. He's like, hey, he call yet? No. It's like, don't sweat it. He'll, he will. And I got a call. I actually got off work and I got a call um, from Chris. He asked me about myself and, and he just asked if I was, if I had played Meinl, if I liked Meinl. I was like, yes, I have. Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, especially so for those that don't know the bands that you're involved with. I mean, it's very progressive. Yeah. Prog rock and. So yeah, that was like the the company to approach you would be Minel. <laughs> yeah, very I mean, true. I'm sure other companies you would have also listened to and approached, but Minel was like it made perfect sense. Yeah, it, it absolutely makes perfect sense. Um, so yeah, it, it was just a we we connected on the phone and it was just kind of that simple. He was like, "Well, why don't you come by on he, whatever whatever day and." pick up some symbols. He's like, send me, send me your information, the, the stuff you're currently using. And I'll try to make some, some symbols available to you that, that would be comparable. And then, I, so I did. And I also told him, I was like, Hey, I don't, I don't have a symbol like this, but I will tell you that the monophonic ride is my favorite ride <laughs> I've ever played. So if you want to give me one of those. And he, so when, when I got in there, he went through the whole stack of symbols. He's going to give me. And the last one at the very end, He's like, and monophonic. I was like, oh my God, I love you. Yes. Yeah. So and that's when you knew and you were. Uh, that's when I knew it was true love. Yeah. Um, I was about to quote Weird Al, but I maybe I won't. I will. We <laughs> ate together. We bathed together. We even shared the same piece of mint flavored dinner floss. The world was our burrito. <laughs> and that's it. Okay. Yeah. End, of, end of episode. That's where we end it. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. None, none of those things happened. The burrito part's not true. Not, neither is the bathing. But the symbol part, all true. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe so that was a year ago, right? When that happened? Yeah. When you, when you officially signed on? No, no, no. no. It hasn't, been, hasn't even been... I don't even think it's been six months at this point. Okay. Remember we filmed, you needed like a, a video of you playing. Yeah. You, you you came into Diamond with the yeah. symbols and like... Has it been more than six months since that? Oh, I feel like it definitely has. Oh my God. Because we put out the video in this room. Let's see. Now I absolutely must look at the dates on these videos. Okay. Earliest one. February. Yeah, that was, that was, re yeah. 
right at the end of February. So yeah. not a year yet, but uh, yeah, anyway, doesn't matter. I was just curious. Cool. Great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'd edit that out. Oh, I'm so drunk. Yeah. We'll just, that, that'll be the excuse. Is this not, is it a real plant? Oh, no. Look, it's fucking green. It's like a St. Patrick's Day. I don't even know. It's not real. I just kept feeling like that was mushy in there. That's not. <laughs> it's kind of d- disappointingly l- lacking in mushiness. Bringing it back to the hot dogs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Texture. So, <laughs> current projects. Uh, <laughs> and they say your, your first episode is always the worst or something like that. So no, this is going to be gold, man. It's going to be gold. Yeah, once, once we edit it and throw some music, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah, gonna uh, be okay, so beyond touring, you've been doing a lot of Broadway recently, right? Like almost every night. And I'm wondering how that's been for you because when we first met, you really weren't doing a lot of Broadway and I know for many drummers here, it's sort of a love-hate relationship. Yeah. There's musicians that kind of scoff at it and, you know, and that's their thing. But I think until you really understand a scene or try something, you shouldn't have that attitude because it's really, it's going to benefit you. It's good to just learn a bunch of songs. That's good for you. That's and a I, good skill. It really yeah. is. And being able to think on your feet. Yep. I And honestly, getting familiar with a couple hundred new songs is not going to hurt you. And it, honestly, like they're I'll go, they'll call other songs that I've never heard and I'm able to f- follow along because they fall. Most of them follow some kind of trope. And if there's some weird set of hits, like I can just follow the leader. They can, they can do a little, little, you know, a little body English <laughs> and show me with their guitar that, Oh, we're going to do hits right here. And going to go like this. Yep. It's not hard to do. Um, once once you're really familiar with how these songs tend to go, mm-hmm. so that's a that's a really valuable skill. But uh, I'm not I'm not down there as much right now because I've been doing so much on the road. I keep having to say no to certain to dates that are asked of me. I will be down there tomorrow night actually, um, but I've just. I've had to say no enough because I'm playing all these road dates that I think people are like, oh, he doesn't want to play. Like, no, I do. I do. I yeah. do still want to play. <laughs> that's a good problem to have, right? It, to say no. And right. then to bring it back to like a, a, someone that's new here. So then what do you do? You, you refer to your subs or do you have like your own list of, of drummers that you would trust for that? Or do you just rely on the band and their contacts? Um, I, I do like to reach out to, to my subs. Yeah. Um, the band trusts you. Like, okay, if Nathan is suggesting this, this person, then... Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll just go with it. Um, and that's, I think that's a cool move because then you're, obviously you're benefiting someone that you like. And then you're also, you're also still connected in, in your, in their mind to the, to yep. what they asked you initially for. Can you play Saturday night, six to, six to 10? No, I can't. But my friend Jeff can, can probably do it. You should reach out to him. Jeff's going to do it. Okay, cool. Now Jeff is Nate's sub for this thing. Right on. So I'm still like in the running. I'm right. still in the mind of whoever's using the guy. Sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So you're in all these progressive rock bands, Crusade, Fly Information, which just put out their debut EP. And we'll have links to all these in the show notes. So definitely go check it out. But you're one of the most technically advanced drummers that I've ever met. You know, you play music that's a lot more involved, mm-hmm. is what I'm getting at, than the Broadway scene. Yeah. How do you, definitely. so like when you, you know, <laughs> when you come back from tour, when you come home at 2 a.m. from a Broadway shift and you're laying down, like, 
what goes through your mind? Like, how do you balance those two seemingly opposite things? And of course, I, I do think there's a lot of overlap between Broadway and going out on tour and, and playing more advanced material. But discuss like what you're actually playing on Broadway, because I do feel like it's sort of changed. It's not necessarily the country pop, you know, wagon wheel request. I feel like there's more bands playing Broadway now than just musicians. Yeah, that makes sense. And you're playing more rock music. Yeah, well, depending on where you play, you'll end up playing more of one style or another. Yeah, so, so it really, yeah, it really does depend on the venue. Absolutely. That's why, yeah. So if you're thinking about playing Broadway, you should check them all out and yeah, and hear you, you figure out which and, one you like. The thing is, they're all each one is uh, they're on different circuits. So everything, Tootsie's, Rippies. Honky Tonk Central and Kid Rocks, that's one circuit. That's the Tootsie's circuit. It's under one ownership, one umbrella. So if you get in in one, you're kind of in all of them. But there are a lot of like I like playing at Kid Rocks because I want to play more rock stuff. I'm not I'm not as the country stuff doesn't doesn't uh, tantalize my my senses in in the same way. Um, the question is how do I balance that with with playing really, really, really progressive yeah, music. Yeah, like music where you have to, I mean, obviously multiple rehearsals and, and I'm sure you're studying the parts and yeah, well, okay. you can't enjoy it as much. Like there's Broadway and that scene versus in the studio with flying formation. Well, yeah, you can't just like grip it and rip it like you can on Broadway. Like, you can like, okay, I get, I get kind of how these songs go. You can't do that with like I can't do that with Crusade or like fire, Fly Information. Um, you know, we'll I'll, we'll be rehearsing one song for weeks to make make sure it's it's right because you know there's a, a crap ton of time signature changes and and just li- little details that I have to get down. So I I mean I'm in my off time I'm I'm studying those parts I'm trying to figure. Not only am I studying those parts, but I'm also working on the the macro skills that will allow me to play those parts easily when I when I come to a rehearsal. Like, well, even even if I walked in blind and they showed it to me, I want I would want to be able to go. Yeah, I can basically kind of I can BS my way through it. You know what I mean? So, what are those macro skills? Uh, the ability to in that case the you know, decently strong double bass. Um, obviously, like good hand and feet coordination, independence, poly polyrhythms, like freedom with odd subdivisions, that kind of stuff. That that's really where the money's at. Like, okay, I don't want to walk in and hear a part and go, I don't understand that, and I can't do it. I wa- I always want to walk in and go, okay, I get that. I need yep. to memorize that. Mm-hmm. But I I understand it. So there are there are still parts where I'm like, wait, hold on, what is that? It's because con- there are crusades written a couple parts that were confusing to my senses. I'm like that <laughs> makes that sounds so weird. What is that? And that's what excites you and yeah. like to learn. And I love I love that. Have you always been into prog music? Oh, I got into Prague because my dad is a musician and he taught me how to, well, first of all, he taught me to listen. He would have me listen to all kinds of music, all kinds of genres. 
and he would ask me what the different parts were. He's like, what's he would say, which parts of the guitar, what's the and he would have me like sing lines or like or kind of like drum along with my hands. He's like, what's the bass doing? What's what's the guitar doing? What's a violin doing? And I would have to like I would have to figure it out. <laughs> uh, so from a very young age I was listening to that and then he taught me how to count hmm. music. And then once I understood counting one and two and three and four and yeah, that's four, four. Okay, great. This song's in 17. It's called Party in Simon's Pants. I was like, what? Are you, you can do 17. He's like, yeah, you can do any number you can think of. I'm like, holy moly. So I got into that very young um, like snobbish, like if it's not difficult, it's not good. Right. Like, I think a lot of people kind of scoff at Broadway for being, oh, it's just you're just playing easy pop hits, right? But but that's total BS. Yeah, it's, right. That's it's, it's different. It's, and, it's just as valid. Not yeah. now, not to say that some of the songs we don't that we play down there aren't just absolute horseshit. <laughs> I'm just being real. There are some songs that I'm like, uh, but there's a reason why we ask <laughs> for more money, yeah. like. You said wagon wheel, I'm like. Oh yeah, someone throws in a hundred, hundred. Like, give yeah. me, give us a hundred. We'll play okay. wagon wheel. Like, this is just, <laughs> it's just such a freaking. Such, come on, oh, wagon, wagon wheel. Are you kidding me? I mean, it, that's probably it was probably a decent song at one point. Yeah, but it's just it's a good it's, song. It's terrible to listen to now. It's so, it's so, it's so done. I'm, yeah. I'm so done with it. Yeah, uh, but there, are, there are, there are worse songs than that by, by. Uh, by a wide margin that oh, some, sure. that, we'll, that we'll have to do. Yeah. So there's there's truth in some of that critique, but there's it's also true to say that just because something is more complicated doesn't make it better. But I like so the way I look at music is there there are kind of three categories for me of stuff that I want to be involved in that I I I almost think these are like the three universal categories for music. Does it make you want to dance? Does it intrigue you intellectually or creatively? And does it tug on your heartstrings? Those are kind of the three things that music has. If you can do two, awesome. If you can do all three, uh, just phenomenal. Like, and there, there are a few, there are a few artists out there who are doing it. Like, if you listen to Tigran Hamasian, mm-hmm. I think he's yeah. the most excellent example of that. The guy is just like, the music is so freaking complex. It makes you want to move. Yeah, you you want to dance, and then you're gonna trip over yourself. But yeah. you still, you have that. It's funny. I was learning one of the parts. I forget the track, and it, it actually ends up being in four. Right. But of course, like the way he plays it, it's advantageous to learn it as like the the subdivisions. You know, like the seven right. plus seven plus three or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, it's funny, but sometimes that stuff actually is just in common time. You know. Right. But, yeah, you can you can make simple things feel complex, and you can make complex things feel simple. So and and yeah, that's that's, yeah, good. that's yeah I I I love using him as as an example because I I just I think his music is incredibly emotionally moving and and just fantastic on every level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as someone myself that is also into a lot of that like progressive weird time signatures and when we met and you were kind of showing me all these things and 
I'm curious on your approach because playing that stuff is obviously you have to practice a lot and you have to know how to practice, which is I think maybe more important than quantity or something like quality yeah. over quantity because a lot of guys maybe are in the, are practicing every day but we're so distracted these days and I'm guilty of it too right like I'm not practicing the right way yeah and I'm not consistent so along those lines you call yourself the disciple of rhythm it's a hashtag that you use on Instagram and something that we've talked about a bit in person but for those listening discuss where that phrase came from and what what does it mean it's, it's such a cool topic and i'm curious uh what that means to you well the whole disciple of rhythm thing came because i i was hanging with my friend seth and we saw a show this is kind of like where the genesis of this idea came from we saw a show with this drummer um the band was called x-ray press and he and seth's comment about the guy's drumming is like i can tell that he, it seems to me that that guy is very interested and focused on learning rhythms. It's like, oh yeah, because he was he was a good player, but his his ability to play complex rhythmic things surpassed his like facility. His like I was like, oh, he's like like his hands and feet weren't you wouldn't think of him as like highly technical, but he just his brain was locked into these ideas and that's I was like oh well that's what that is or I mean there's a physical element to drumming which I love I love that but I'm like I really am what's most interesting to me I think is the actual creating and stacking of various rhythms and I I just was like well I should just devote my whole mind to to that, to like it's a it's an infinite world to explore. The the physical part of it, there are limits. Yeah. But there's not really there's not really any limits on the mental part. There's there's infinite rhythms to be had and to be made. But there's only there's a limited amount of notes that you can phys- physically push out. Right. Execute. Right. So that's that's kind of where that's where the whole disciple of rhythm thing came from. I was just I was doing that almost as a, just a reminder to myself of the person that I want to be, the, the, the pursuit that I want to be making every day. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I, I really love that, man. And I don't think a lot of drummers really think that way. They don't go that deep with it. They see a lick on Instagram or they see yeah. like just a cool, a drum cover they want to do and they're not really diving deep into the parts yeah. or... You know, we'll learn a cool lick, which is fine to do. It's good, I think, as a community, it's fine to share those kind of things. But I think people get lost into, okay, the exact sticking and, oh, he's playing it on the toms and then the snare. Like, take that and then do your own thing with it and reorchestrate it and combine, right? Like, combine yeah. rhythms. And you're always showing us, you know, really cool licks and polyrhythms to try out. And fortunately, I've been taught by some really good teachers in the past. Uh, shout out to Blake Fleming. Um, but I instinctively know to take that and learn it, but then like make it my own. And I'm immediately like already trying to reorchestrate and yeah. think about it in different ways. So if you're playing like 13 or 17, is your approach to first start off with like a, like do you stack, you said stack rhythms like three and then plus four, then like, how do you approach that? What is your technique? Man, I honestly, I know that that's a lot, how a lot of people do that. I don't I 
just kind of you go all in for the I just <laughs> go yeah I yeah. just kind of like if I don't know what time it's in I'll break it apart that way um but once once I've figured out what it is I try to get away from thinking of it like that I I can't because I kind of want to be able to flow between those and I don't I don't want that to be in the forefront of my brain maybe maybe I'll change my mind on that and it'll I'll figure out that it's advantageous to do it that way but I I just I have never done it that way yeah and I I don't foresee myself doing that I, yeah. ju- I just am like okay it's in it's in 13 I just my brain is focused on the melody I'm like okay uh, I want to get to the point where I don't have to one e and a two e and a three Okay, that's my. I want to be. Right. So hearing those subdivisions as their melodies versus the exact countings. Right. I find that that I play best when my brain is focused on on the music, on the melody, on the bass line. If if I focus my conscious brain on those things. My conscious brain can make like what, like two decisions a second, or my subconscious can do like 130, 160 in a second. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, my, if I occupy my conscious brain with melody or progression, uh, my subconscious brain is free to just play the song at, at maximum ability. Mm-hmm. My with my lowest limitations. Yeah. So, man, that's just so interesting. I love that. So. Being able to bring out your, like, make your subconscious be more conscious, right? Is that what you would say? Yeah, well, it's 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 releasing your subconscious because you're 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 sub in in just the same way that you're you're a slave to your subconscious because your subconscious is making decisions for you all the time that you aren't aware of. Your subconscious is also beholden to your conscious mind because if your conscious mind is doing things is focusing on something like this your subconscious can't even get there like oh i can't i you need to get your conscious mind occupied on another thing maybe a related thing Mm -hmm. because i've heard i've heard like well why why don't you just like you're playing in bars right just just like watch the tv like that's stupid you then, then you're not even thinking about the song anymore like you should be all in on the music right music first and that, I mean, that's our job, right? As that's, drummers. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Like, otherwise, you're just like you're being selfish. Like, put your conscious brain on. What's the bass player doing? Is that is he laying it down? Yeah. Is does it sound dope? Yes, it does. Cool. Focus on that, and let your just let your subconscious go wild on the kit. Just let it do its thing. I and, love that. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people could relate to that, but of course, that takes so much confidence and time in the practice room to be able to really rely on your facility and your yeah you know your knowledge because i think if a new drummer trying that could be kind of scary right like they're wouldn't work because you ha- you see so you have to have both right so you have to have yeah. that freedom when you're actually playing but the freedom comes from the subconscious comes from or mastery rather from hours and hours over days and weeks and months and years practicing, fo- focused, conscious of what you're doing. 
That's that's when you build that into your subconscious. It's just that I was I was bad at accessing that because I would never get out of that practice mode. I'd be on stage and I'd be still thinking about, well, what should I do next? I sh- okay, maybe this next lick should be a, a, a paradiddle. Right, that, that lick I saw double. on YouTube. Yeah, yeah what was I'll it again? Try it was, that. Like, and then you miss oh. it, and then <laughs> like, dude, that is the worst. That's the worst way to do it. Yeah, it just doesn't I, yeah. work. I've been in that situation, and I try to get out of it. Again, if you're in a new city or a new gig, it's easy to first feel that way. Yeah, which is fine. It's normal. But if you're very comfortable and it's not the first time playing a gig and you know the people, then you can kind of get out of that consciousness, like immediate immediacy of what you're doing, and focus on. Yes, the, the music and other things. I, I kind of related to almost like, I mean, any you know, athlete or a quarterback, for example. Like when they're th- about to throw a ball, are they thinking, okay, I'm going to line up, I'm going to have my hands in this position, I'm going to make sure. Like no, they they're looking down the field, so they're, they're looking at right. the other musician, which is the wide receiver, and they're throwing that perfect pass, but because they're so focused on the overall picture. Yeah, one of my favorite examples of that is uh, uh, it was Tony Robbins talking about meeting with Andre Agassi. And it was after Andre had, he had gone from being the champ to to kind of like he had gone to, I don't know if you want to call it relative obscurity or whatever, but he had, he had, he had fallen from being the guy, the king of tennis. Um, and at the time he was like, well, I've got a problem with my backswing. And so he was really focused on his backswing and he's practicing it all the time. And so he, Tony said, yeah. So when I talked to him, I said, uh, so what you know? What are you working on right now? I'm like, working on my backswing. It's just not. It's not where I want it to be. It's like okay. When you were the champion, were you thinking about your backswing? No. <laughs> okay. It's like like. That's a great example. That's like like do, like. Don't you get it? Like your your problem isn't even. It's not even your backswing. The problem is, you You're are thinking. thinking about your backswing. Yeah. So no amount of practicing it is actually going to even help because you're still putting that conscious brain. You can't be a master in your conscious brain. Yeah. It's just you just don't have enough. There's not enough RAM. You know. You've read the Inner Game of Tennis, right? I haven't, but you I haven't. know that I need yeah, to read that book, dude. I just read Atomic Habits. Well, that's not true. I listened to Atomic Habits, and yeah. it was amazing. So you ever gone through that one? Nope. Man, game changer. I was like, atomic habits, pfft, like atomic bomb. Like, no, I mean atomic, like tiny, like atoms. Yeah. So, what other books are you reading? Is that a major hobby of yours? Besides, oh, I, I love to read. Besides drumming, not that drumming is a hobby, of course, but like, to- totally. Yeah. What else are you? Yeah. Uh, when you're not playing, what are you doing? You're reading? Uh, I read, I exercise, I like to go outside. I love playing with my cat. Yeah, that's... You do have a cute cat. I do. Man, he rules. <laughs> um, yeah, Momiji. Momiji the Wonder Cat. For anyone who cares, we, my wife and I were on a walk with my, my buddy Jack, and we happened upon this cat, which startled her, and then I, I basically sat there with, with them for about 10 minutes trying to get it to come to me. wouldn't come to us at all. So we walked on, but it followed us, and we stopped again, stopped for another 10 minutes or so, and then we just walked all the way back to our apartment that we were living living at at the time. Where in Nashville is this? Oh, this was in Cool Springs. Okay. 
Um, and this guy followed us all the way back. So I went inside, got a can of tuna, and went and fed it, ate the whole thing, got a second can, it ate the whole thing. And basically my wife for the next few days, because I was working nights, she would finish up her job because she works from home. And she would go and find find the guy. And she'd do the same thing. She led him up to, to our porch, which was, thank God, was we had a porch downstairs that he, he could get onto. And uh, this cat slowly became, he became our cat. He was, he was a, just a, a, essentially a feral cat. He was just out there living, living in the field, killing mice. And, and he just became our buddy. And he is without question, the sweetest cat I have ever, ever seen. He's just like the freaking he like, I come home and he jumped jumps out comes and greets me and he once he figures out it's me he's just like rubbing his face on me and and just he's overjoyed and he's just the cuddliest he does this thing where he will look me in the face and reach out and touch my face with his paw like very slowly and like how are you so sweet and perfect oh my gosh yeah your cat is adorable yeah he's awesome i anyway i just had to gush gush on my cat because i love my cat Okay, so Music Lab Nashville, a new venture of yours. Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, so that's is so, that that's new to Nashville. Yes. Right? So my my buddy my buddy Ben um, was involved in Drum Lab Music Lab back in California, and then he moved out here. And, and for those who don't know, so explain what that is. Is that uh, it was produ- a production it, recording or is it education education right? facility? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they were they were kind of the go to spot. Back there, um, Sacramento, Rockland, they had they had a couple different spots. So it was just the drum lab, and then it became music lab. They started bringing in you know other other kinds of players and educators, uh, and he just opened one up out here. So now I'm I'm getting involved in that. Um, nothing nothing has happened so far as I've just been so busy. I've been gone all the time. Right. Um, but I absolutely believe in Ben's vision and the guy, yeah, he's just such a freaking stellar dude. Um, and yeah, he's, he's got the mind for it. So he'll, I know that it's going to be the spot in the next five years. Is it kids of all ages? All all ages. Any, anybody can come in. Yep. And it's just drums or it's all, all instruments, all instruments. Yep. Cool. Going to be, going to be, I don't know if he has everything at this point but and it's just that's the idea one-on-one lessons mm-hmm. and you so i could sign up and choose you as my instructor a- absolutely you could very cool yeah how important is education for you highly like you yourself having a, a mentor and a teacher and then you passing that on yeah i value it immensely i took private lessons weekly for like the first six or seven years of my playing career and that was that was huge for me. So I, the thing is, there there weren't a lot of, you know. Again, I was living in a small town, so I couldn't like, <clears throat> I couldn't like pop down to the baked potato and see Ron Bruner. Couldn't see Virgil Donati. Like see these monsters go and play. I just had to. I had to, if I wanted to see monsters play, I'd have to either leave town or like. Thank God I, I had this fantastic teacher named Steve Joseph, great, great drummer. Um, and he, he showed me, he showed me everything. He was just, you know, he, that, that was enormous for me. I, I can't, 
I can't stress enough how important that was in my development. Mm -hmm. Um, So if anyone is... (laughs) always weird to me when people are like, well, do you think, you think it's, it's good to get lessons or like, is it better to be self-taught? Like, of course it's good to get lessons. Like I understand that there are some monsters out there who are self-taught, but most of those guys are not self-taught air quotes. Right. What does that really mean? Right. Most (laughs) most of them had a mentor of some kind. Like a lot of these guys are like, Oh, this guy's self self self-taught. You're like, yeah, but he was hanging out with Dennis Chambers every week. <laughs> right. Like that's not self-taught anymore. Like you're yeah. learning from Dennis. Like that's that it's different. Yeah. Um you know, if you're not going to be take, at, taking official private lessons, then get around somebody who's better than you and Just they, listen and, and absorb as right. much as you can and pick their brain when you can. Like that's that's great. Yeah, no I I totally vibe with that. And like I I feel like as drummers especially but really any craft like you're never done learning right like i don't think we're ever going to wake up one day and just be like that is all i know and i'm comfortable with that i'm done like right <laughs> like that's what makes drumming such a beautiful journey right but we're all on our own path our own levels and it's really cool to witness you know your progression and i think the point where you're at in your career is is super awesome you know like and i don't think many drummers will reach that level in terms of the endorsements and just having the facility and such a deep understanding of the instrument. But it's cool to hear even someone like you that is still just so hungry to keep on learning. Yeah, I I still, I've got a list of guys even right now that I'm like, oh, I need to pick their brain about such and such. And I like, go and pay the money and learn the thing from that person. Like I've got... At least five guys off the top of my head where I'm like, yeah, I need to sit down with them and ask them about this and this and this because I need, I need to know what their perspective on it. It's like, it doesn't end. So <clears throat> to go back to my first teacher, Steve, my very first drum lesson, this is the most important. This is probably the most important drum lesson of my life was the, was the first one. So I went in and I was nervous, but I did the thing. And some at some point during the lesson, Steve goes, so what do you want out of these lessons? What do you want out of drum lessons? And I, I said, I want to be a drummer. You know what he said to me? And? He goes, okay, now you are. <laughs> now what? Right. I'm like, oh, there isn't a level you get to where now I'm a drummer. Before that level, I wasn't considered drummer. Like He's like, no, you're a drummer if, if you drum. If you want to be a drummer and you drum, <laughs> I love that. You're a drummer. I'm like, oh, like huge light bulb moment. Then suddenly I'm like, then that just means the next question is, how good do I want to be? And the answer to that question is, I want to be as good as I possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And now the addendum to that is, as good as I possibly can be while not <laughs> being a psychopath, while being a, a functioning human being. Um, yeah. You know, so. I'm I'm will I'm willing to do eight hour that shit, practice. That shit days. may have sailed. I don't know about yeah. that. You yeah, know, <laughs> no, yeah, may, maybe so. Who knows? <laughs> I'm I'm willing to do eight hour practice days or ten or whatever, uh, but I can't do them every day. You know, I I have humans in my life that I love. I've got family sure. and friends. I'm like I need to I need to see them. It's important. Yeah. It's important to me. That's a that's and a big you, thing. So going back to practice, so you you actually I don't know if you still do this, but you would time yourself throughout the day, mm-hmm. even if you were to just have a pad at your house or yeah, 
Um, Aim and for 40 hours a week. 40 hours a week. And you're logging that uh-huh. no matter how long it is or where you are, what surface it is. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm like, I'm not doing it now as we're recording and I don't want to be like tip tapping on stuff, but I'm like, I'll just sit while I'm having a conversation and work on double strokes with my feet on the floor. And I would have my iPhone, uh, my stopwatch going. I'm like, okay. Yep. So back to the subconscious conscious discussion. So like it sounds like this sort of practicing would be more in your subconscious, right? Like you're not really thinking about it. So when you're at home doing this, do you have your TV on in the background or if I'm chilling and watching a show, I won't I won't just chill and watch a show almost ever. I will almost invariably have a practice pad in front of me or a pillow or something and I will be working on something. Yeah, I started doing that because of our conversations. And honestly, like in in the quantity versus quality thing, like I'm a big fan of quality. If you can get really focused practice, awesome. But if you can't, just be just getting in quantity is good. Like, okay, you know what? I would rather get if let's say I'm working at 30% of my, of the quality that I could possibly be working at. But I'm getting in three times as much work in or four times as much work in or heck five times as, as a person who is work focused on just like, let me get like 10 minutes of extreme focus on one thing. I'm like, bro, if you give me five hours of just kind of like trying stuff and just, just working on vaguely important thing, like, that guy in two years is going to be light years ahead of the guy doing 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Just, it is, is what it is. Yeah. If you just, if you did nothing but practice double strokes on the floor with your feet while right. every single day, every day multiple times, dude, right. you, you'd be blazing double strokes with your feet in a, in a year. Like even if you weren't going really hard with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's so powerful. Yeah. And of course these days, you know, if you're worried about volume, uh, you can get those low volume symbols from Zildjian or there's so many different practice pads now available. There's really no excuse. You, if you don't have gear, just literally just use a pillow or your body, your hands. Yep. <laughs> you can do the Jojo Mayer, the, little, yep. the claps, man. You can do the, the Travis Orban. I showed you the Travis Orban, yeah? The flat flams. Just, okay, yeah, that's what I've been doing. That's hard. That is, Yeah, dude. that hurts. <laughs> oh, dude. It's exposing he, my weakness. And he would do it, uh, do 70 BPM for a hundred minutes straight. Mm-hmm. Like how? What? What is that? I don't even understand that. But yeah. he, and he's he looks like the Terminator, so. <laughs> I guess that's working. Yeah. Got him buff, if nothing else. You don't watch the fights? Like... I'm no, gonna get I, you. I'm gonna get you into the fights. I don't think you are. I, I've watched like what what fights like the pay per view, like the Mer- the Mayweather versus that YouTube star. No, 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 I no. Saw that. No, the real fights, the legit stuff. Is it ever really real though? UFC. Yeah. Yeah. UFC is a hundred percent real. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know which sect because there's like WWE, UFC. I don't even. Those, know. That's wrestling, bro. That yeah, wrestling, see, I don't even wrestling, know. I, like wrestling is is is. I'm so I'm, a, It is that. a male soap opera with the winners <laughs> predetermined. UFC is just literally two guys getting in a ring and fighting. Yeah. That you I need to get you, I need to get you into like the guys who are genius level fighters. I there's 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 so much to gain 
on the drums from watching some of these guys and, and learning about how they train and the way they think about fighting. Mm-hmm. There's there's such like such incredible levels of technique, tactics, creativity, all of that stuff. The do it's the guys who go next level are the ones who are creative. That's that's what's really fun to watch. But like I'm gonna I'll show you some old Anderson Silva fights. That dude his technique was insane. He was so fast, but he would also do things to people that just nobody else did. Like he'd punch people in the in the legs. Nobody does that. <laughs> yeah. He would let they would. He just he like punched you in the legs and the knees. Like who? No one was prepared. They're right. all like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, I, I guess just, you win now. Like I'm yeah. not even gonna like. He just and he was just crushing, just crushing people because yeah. he was he was smart and creative. Yeah, that applies to musicianship right yeah being the most creative and having that good philosophy and try something somebody yeah. try something you haven't seen someone else do mm-hmm. like that that's it's a really it's a big thing so uh, there was a video that we were tagged in at pearl this guy literally like in, it's like a tiktok video where like there's some random song in the background but it's really a good song that's synced with the video and this guy comes out and he bashes a trombone over the guy right an actual trombone and then he picks up a pearl bass drum, and he literally, I mean, the head must have been either fake or just completely loose. I don't even think it was real because, so he, he bashes it over the guy's head, and he, his head goes through the bass head, and he falls over, like, all dramatic. And it's absolutely hilarious. Like, some guy tagged us, like, oh, no, like, oh, how could they? How could they do this? I'm like, I'm not going to engage with this. No. <laughs> Actually, I think I did comment. I was like, like, from the pearl account, like, that's... Hilarious. Heinous. <laughs> yeah, you know. Like, I have nothing to say. Yeah. Well, hey, whatever. To each their own. Some people I mean, want to play the drums. Some people... Yeah, hey, are, it's logo exposure. Yeah, dude, whatever. Bad press is still good press? Something like that? Bad, bad press is press, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, this has been awesome. We've talked about a bunch. Um, so, yeah, I want to wrap it up. I kind of want to try this segment where we just, like, ask our guests, like, very quick. Quick, like, it doesn't have to be one-word answers, but just, like... A few words, okay. you know. Okay, so first question: Nashville hot chicken. Are you into it? Yes. What level of spiciness or hotness? Uh, I usually go for medium at Prince's, which is still considered spicy. Um, but I, I won't. I'm not wimpy. I don't get mild. I can, I can do the medium. That's fair. Okay, question two: If you weren't playing drums, you'd be doing. Hmm. Teaching martial arts. Question three. Uh, who's an underrated drummer that you think people should be following or you're really into? Oh, underrated, 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 underrated. <sighs> I I still think that Mason Guidry is underrated. Uh, I, even though he's starting to, to get acknowledged, I, I think... I think he's one of the greatest of all time. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Mason. Cool. Yeah. Okay, last question. Next piece of gear that you're, that's on your wish list or you're about to get? Ooh. Um, mm, man. Well, I, I do have a whole list of symbols. It can be, it can be multiple, I guess. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get some new symbols from Milo. I got, I got nice. a couple of, I need a, some splashes and, uh, and some stuff. But... Um, I need to get one of those handy dandy little mini 
mini snare things that they have. Is it the pop like the popcorn snare? Is yeah, it an actual drum or is it? Like yeah, I mean, it, but it's like there's no bottom on it. Just be, yeah, it yeah. Just, you put it on like a little little tiny tom stand or like whatever. Mm-hmm. You can hook it on a freaking cymbal stand. I yeah. I need I need some of those. That's so that's probably. I think nice some thing. of the local shops in Nashville might carry them. Yep. I'm, I'm Nelsons gonna, or Forks or I'll get some. Cool. Yep. All right, man. Um, where can people follow you if they want to get a hold of you or check you out online? Um, don't follow me. I don't like being followed. Uh, I don't. I I carry a weapon, so don't don't sneak up on me. Okay. Um, well, you obviously took that the wrong way. But uh, okay. where can people take? <laughs> Uh, okay, it's, Instagram. I'll, I'll be more specific. Instagram. Instagram, you can... F- You're on TikTok now, aren't you? I am on TikTok. Okay, so um, for the younger... Okay, for that, I, that generation. Yeah, I'm, I'm experimenting with it. I don't really yeah. I don't really fully get it, and I think a lot of it is very cancerous, but yes. I, I am on it. Um, but you can you can find me on TikTok at Slayton Netner. Excuse me? Yeah. Slayton? Slayton. Slayton. Yeah. Yeah, is that really your username? Yeah, it's wow. just like just like Nathan Slatner, but it's Slathan Netner. That's so you. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's Slathan underscore Netner, but then on Instagram was... it's Nathan underscore Slatner. Okay, so that's yeah. And uh, hearing that makes me think of Slytherin. What Harry Potter house are you, by the way? I don't know. I I think I'm. I'd probably be Gryffindor. Yeah, I'm like the yeah. I took an unofficial one and I got Slytherin. I took the official yeah. Pottermore, and I I got uh, I got Gryffindor. I so I'm somewhere that. near there. Yeah. I, I could definitely go. You, I know Hufflepuff. No, I, I ain't. <laughs> tell you what, because I'm not good at finding nothing. Wrong with that, no, but. no. <laughs> Very Seinfeldian of you. <laughs> we, we just lost half yeah. the listening base. <laughs> Two people that were already listening. Yeah. Well, no, I'm. Well, I, I have friends who are Hufflepuffs, but I am not one, and I'm. I'll tell you why. They're good at finding stuff, and I am just awful at finding things. I can. What I do you can mean? lose physical things. Physical things. Oh, like re- okay, misplaced items. Oh yes. So I, I have rules that I've made for myself about where I can put things because otherwise they will go missing. Like keys, I literally have three places, and I mean, and I mean three. Yep. I'm holding up two fingers. Three <laughs> places. As I hold up two <laughs> fingers, I have three places My in the house. My mind added the other finger. I yeah. knew what you were talking about. <laughs> I dare not show you this finger. Um, but I'm like. It's this side of the table, this side of the table, or it literally one spot in my room on a bookshelf. That and that's it. Otherwise, it's it gone. will it will be gone. Yep. Yeah. What about drum keys? Are those attached to your oh God. keychains? I lose pockets. Them. I just I just have enough of them that I find them. Yeah. I just put them in every damn room in the house. The old adage, right? It's always losing a drum key. They're just that's what they say. <laughs> That's what, just like Mama used to say. Always <laughs> uh, oh, losing a drum key, she would say in her sleep. Whale, whale in her sleep. Oh, oh, mom. So that's how you got into the drums because yep. you're, yeah, you're deranged. Okay, I'm a deranged mother. <laughs> you're just like wailing about dr- what's a drum key. Always yeah. oh, losing a drum key. You, there oh, are keys good. to drums. Yeah, but my my uh, rule that's like the Navy SEAL thing, like the two is one and one is none thing. Like I just took that at the extreme. I just put wait, them what is everywhere. That? You ever heard that? Two, think, no. two is one, one is none. Two is one, one is none. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I think that's a Navy SEALs thing. It's like, Sounds like you it. gotta you gotta have extras of yeah. your stuff because one of them won't work or go missing. 
Two is one. One is none. I dig it. Okay. I guess okay. that's it. Well, thanks for your time, Nate. You're welcome, and Dan. <laughs> so uncomfortable. Whatever, we'll figure something oh, out. No, this is great. I, uh, honestly, honestly, I I feel like this first episode is a success because we got through the the actual like questions substance. you want yeah. wanted to ask, but you also we also got to just kind of BS, which I I honestly feel like is important for this kind of thing. I think so too. So I hope I hope enough of our BSing is left after editing. Okay, thanks so much for tuning in to this first episode. You can support this podcast by subscribing on the platform of your choice, sharing this with a friend, and definitely check us out on Instagram at Nashville Drummers Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode.